Rule number one: You don't hit girls. Rule number two: You don't hit girls that know karate. Every day I think to myself, God, if only I could take my Zyrtec with orange juice. Hey, it's time for the bitter spills. Dan Class, I'm at my garage under the flight path at Los Angeles International Airport here in beautiful Southern California. Yay! Um, I still have that frog in my throat. Excuse me. I can't. I can't talk for more than two seconds uh, without some sort of having to go on. In my esophageal area. You know where your esophageal area is, don't you? you? You know what I'm talking about. So listen, so, hi, I've only got about 45 minutes. I've only got about 40 minutes, actually, because I just screwed around with my guitar for five minutes. But I, So I've got about 40 minutes to do an hour show. So if I talk fast and I leave out the, right, the, the dramatic pausing, I think, you know what, I think we'll be uh, uh, just fine. How have you, have you been? Now, um... I know this is kind of random, but but I thought I would just g- get this part over with. You know, my wife and I, every once in a while, we do get a chance to watch uh, TV. <clears throat> and um, there's really not much on these days. So we do watch that uh, American Idol show, which is horrible this season. Simon, I've never missed you more. I didn't think I was going to miss Simon so much. I'm gonna, no, I, I take that back. Let, let's go all the way back. I thought I was going to miss Simon like crazy. And then the season began, and I thought, well, you know, I might not miss it. It's a little gentler. You know, it's a little kinder and gentler, a little sweeter idol. Uh, I I couldn't miss you more, Simon, because although the kids are talented, they're boring. There's a lot of boring stuff going on, a lot of pat kind of who gives a crap stuff. Even the exciting one's kind of boring. But during American Idol, they recently had a commercial that I just thought was... uh, a stroke of marketing genius. <clears throat> it's these two uh, young executive types. Not, not really. They're, they're, they're kind of like hip. I don't know what they look like. I didn't look at them. It was so infuriating. It, the commercial erased my brain. But the point is, so there are these two people, and it's apparently their lunch break. And they're outdoors. And I think he buys his lunch. And with his lunch, maybe he gets some orange juice. Do you know what commercial I'm talking about already? It's a man and a woman. They're clearly not dating or anything. They're just colleagues. You know, and they're eating outside and I could be paraphrasing the hell out of this, but, but, but essentially it's this. So, so he gets his lunch or his snack or whatever it is. And he's got OJ. Okay. Orange juice. And <clears throat> his lady friend there has her food and they're going to sit down on a bench and there might be a third idiot. I don't know. And, and, and basically it comes out. She, she reminds the man. See, the guy says, oh boy, you know, I, I better take a Zyrtec. Now, Zyrtec is a very popular brand of allergy medicine, hay fever medicine. I take Zyrtec or the generic equivalent thereof fairly regularly, my friend. So he's about to take his Zyrtec and she says, and again, I could have this all wrong, but in essence, right? She says, oh, 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 hold on, hold on. Don't forget that you can't take your Zyrtec with orange juice. So you should really take my brand, uh, you know, widget brand uh, allergy medicine because you can't take Zyrtec. And he's like, really? I can't take my Zyrtec with orange juice? And she says, no. So, my God, the, whoever the widget 
allergy company is, they've blown the lid out of this decades-long disastrous concern that all Americans have that we just cannot take our Zyrtec with OJ. Thousands, perhaps billions of allergy sufferers have been suffering needlessly because you just, you know this, as I'm sure I did. Every day I think to myself, God, if only I could take my Zyrtec with orange juice, then my life would be complete. If only some company like the Widget Allergy Medicine Company would come along and save my life. Save my life by creating a version of something like a Zyrtec, but not Zyrtec, because Zyrtec is so incredibly flawed. And how is Zyrtec flawed, my friend? Zyrtec is flawed because I just can't take it without orange juice. Now, first of all, I didn't even know that you can't take Zyrtec with orange juice. Now, luckily for me, I don't drink orange juice. Got too much sugar. Therefore, I I could have been suffering some life-threatening chemical reaction. The citric acid combining with the uh, sulfur biglutinate, whatever is in Zyrtec, and who gives a crap what it is, because I take the right, the generic. I just had no idea that I was clearly, potentially putting my, the ignorance of this situation. I was putting myself in some kind of life-threatening situation. Thank God. Allah, Buddha, Krishna, L. Ron Hubbard, and Darwin himself for the Widget Allergy Company. I wish I knew who it was because I'd love to just, right? It's not that I'm not naming names. I just don't give a crap enough, right? I didn't take the 10 milliseconds it would have taken to Google this ridiculous commercial. I'll try to put it on. I'll try to find it on YouTube because I'm sure America is all abuzz. That now, finally, I'm going to switch from Zyrtec. I've been taking Zyrtec or the generic equivalent for Probably 17 years. But you know what? Finally, finally, the tyranny has ended. Finally, retribution is ours. Finally, we can enjoy a nice big slurpy glass of orange juice and our allergy medicine at the exact same moment each and every day. So. Now, I'm going to preface what I'm about to say with uh, this. We just had, um, it's spring break here. You know, school, spring break. I have two kids, you know. And it's spring break time. And right before spring break, they had two days off. The kids had two days off for uh, conferences, you know, school conferences. They're in a trimester situation. And so they had their trimester conferences and both the kids had great glowing reports. They're both doing well. I'm so happy. My daughter has made such leaps and bounds this year in particular with her. She's in second grade. So with reading and math and everything, I'm just so incredibly proud of her. And she's just, she's just so fun and funny and gorgeous. And she drives me crazy and I always yell at her. I'm so sorry. But anyway, <clears throat> she's not here now. So I miss her. She's with her grandparents as, as is my son. Now my son, Hudson, you know, Hudson. Hudson's now 12. Hudson's in middle school. And Hudson's always been a very bright boy, as I'm sure you've come to realize. Um, Very bright and very articulate. He reads all the time. He's a very literate young man. So we're in his conference. And um, he, you know, he has to lead the conference. It's that that second semester trimester conference thingy. They, They lead it, right? So he's doing his thing and he's talking about his weaknesses and his strengths and his this and his that. And he has a hard time sitting still. I mean, he's, um, trust me, where we're going with this is this is not the perfect student. Trust me. 
Although, you know what I should do? Well, let me say this. My son, so what happens is basically the teacher is sitting there. Now, this is his main teacher, his advisory teacher and his English teacher. And she sits there and she looks him dead in the eye and she goes, Hudson, you need to tell me how I can challenge you next trimester. This woman is is like she's she doesn't know what else to do. She's like, you know, hon, Hudson, I know you wanted to read the such and such book, but it was beneath you. And I know you were a little upset with me making you read A Wrinkle in Time. But, uh, you know, I think, you know, at the end of it, I think you were happier for it. And he's like, yeah, that other book wasn't exactly the freaking Hobbit, was it? So she's literally, so, so basically I'm just sitting there and looking at my son and I just, I think he's so smart and so funny. He's a little too smart and maybe too funny sometimes for his own good. He's got to not try to be so funny in class. <laughs> and I just think he's so incredibly bright and handsome and everything. And I'm just sitting there admiring him and I'm thinking to myself, this kid is so much smarter than me. I don't know how I'm going to handle him when he really officially becomes a teenager and turns on me. But he really is one of the smartest. I mean, and, and I don't know that many 12 year olds, so maybe a lot of 12 year olds. He's just he's just like this smarter. He's smarter than I could ever imagine. Certainly smarter than I ever was ever, ever in my whole at least high school. Like he's smarter now than I was as a college freshman by far. Absolutely. Much more dedicated student, much more sharp. Much, um, he just, you know, and maybe it's a father's pride, but, but whatever. So, <clears throat> but then after the conference, and I'm sorry, I keep clearing my throat. I know my wife complains to me every time she calls me because she calls me, she calls me on the phone and I pick up the phone and I go, hello, <clears throat> like that into the phone. She's like, do you have to do that? I'm like, yes, I do, baby, <laughs> because I'm joking. So I'm, I, I, I don't even hear myself doing it. So I apologize. If I had time, I, I really, I would edit them all out. Of this fine recording, but I don't have that kind of time. I have a big audition today. It just came out of the blue. Uh, anyway, where are we going with this? So, so one minute I'm sitting there admiring my son. I just think he's so handsome and smart and smart and smart. You know, I'm really impressed. I'm so glad that I married my wife and we had kids because this, right? Obviously, her genetics are so strong. Her brilliance is so brilliant that she's been able to overcome somehow. Between the genetics and us browbeating this man, we've turned him into, right? A super geek. So then super geek says, oh, yeah, well, hey, dad, while mom and uh, while mom goes down to look for tea so we can leave, um, let's go look at my locker because we Hudson and I talked about I would help him clean out his locker. He said it was a bit of a mess. And it was a disaster. It was as if someone had taken all of his binders and emptied them and then angrily shoved them into his locker. Now, this wasn't a surprise to me because every day, and again, you know, I love my son and I just said, I think he's smartest and funny and good looking and all that. Every day I get up early and I wake everybody and I make the snacks and the lunches. And then my wife and I alternate. We take turns haranguing him because his backpack weighs 75 and a half pounds. And we're fairly convinced that there's no way in hell he needs every textbook every day to do the homework he does now we're very lucky he goes off in his room 
and just does his homework. It, we we're never we're not involved in it at all. He doesn't goof around. He used to goof around. He doesn't goof around. He's just like let's just get it done. He just bangs it out and then he can have the rest of his day. But every day with seventy five, so I end up dragging like right back breaking, dragging his backpack to the front of the house every once in a while to, to right help things along. And oh, and literally the other day, I say to him in a kind of rude and mocking way. Cause I'm, I I just can't, we've had this conversation so many times, Hudson, I swear to God, man, this, this backpack weighs a ton. This thing feels seriously kid. Like what is there? Are there rocks in here? Are you carrying around rocks? Because this is ridiculous. You've there's, you've got to do. And as I'm saying these words, I, and I'm, Listen, I'm not joking. I'm feeling his backpack and I swear to God, I feel a rock in like one of those weird, you know, your kid has a backpack and there's really, honestly, there's about four compartments in that backpack that you don't even remember it having. So I'm squeezing around because I'm trying to find somewhere where I can ram his snack and his lunch into the full brick like backpack and I'm squeezing around and I feel a rock. An actual, I'm telling, do you have rocks in here? And I literally feel, I unzip and I pull out a rock the size of my fist. And he's just like, oh, dad, if you, uh, the, you know. So my wife and I are like, Hudson, we say that as a joke. You actually have rocks in there? And I'm like, ah, ah, ah. so I start, so I'm like, that's it. I'm going to frisk this kid's backpack. And I start frisking it. I found two more Rocks. Rocks. Why does my 12-year-old son, who, by the way, is not studying geology. Okay, let's be very clear on this. My son is not studying geology. Why does he have three fist-sized rocks in his backpack? Is he is he messing with me? I, I, I think so. I, I, I really think so. One of them was because it was, uh, I don't know, who knows, man. He's not insane, but really rocks, really. It's bad enough. You've got 60, uh, anyway. So my daughter, um, it's so weird. Both my kids do this. They get in the, when I go to pick them up at school, they get in the car and I go, hey kids, how was your day? And they go, they both go, hey, it was great. I'm like, really? I'm like, yeah, it was great, man. Well, what'd you learn today? Oh, we did this. And what'd you do? Who'd you hang out with? Everything's great. And then at nighttime, when it's time for bed, suddenly one of them's like, and then she said, and then I said, and then she said, and then I said, you know. So one day my daughter comes home and, um, one of her, you know, she used to be in this, she had this little collective of friends that would put on these shows or they would rehearse these shows during recess. She has recess. She's eight years old. Right. And they would make up these little shows and, re- and rehearse these little shows. And, and then the group started big and they kept getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And really, I think what had happened was there was a fairly dictatorial director that had appointed herself dictatorial director unbeknownst to the rest of the members. And my daughter then became her, you know, eventually it was her turn to decide, hey, you know, I didn't really want to live in a dictatorship. I wanted it to be kind of a, mono- a, 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 a democracy. I wanted to choose my own roles and my own costumes, whatever. And the director was like, uh, 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 and so she left her little group. And that caused a little friction with 
remaining members, former members, whatever, whatever. Y- you know, you'd think it's like the breakup of the Spice Girls, you know. So one day she felt like one of her friends who's a little mm, wilder than she was picking on a boy and Toulouse said, don't pick on the boy. And then the two of them got in an argument and her friend slapped her. And so they had to talk to the staff of the after school because it was after school. And then Melissa had to call the mom and the mom was like, oh, dear, and then the school and then the school because you can't slap. But it doesn't come out until the night. And then suddenly it's like, oh, she slapped me because I said and she said, and I'm like, well, honey, you really shouldn't have said that. She's like, I know, but she didn't have to slap me. I'm like, well, you know, you're right. She didn't have to slap you. You were saying you, you know, you called her out on her behavior. She took offense. She slapped you. She shouldn't have slapped you. You sort of instigated it a tiny bit, but she overreacted and smacked you once. She should never have done that. And then literally the next day. Okay, she gets home from school. Hey, how was your day? Good. How were you things with you and so-and-so, the girl that slapped you? Oh, okay. But then it comes out. Apparently, she was talking with a couple of the boys at uh, lunchtime. And the subject of karate came up and my daughter Tulu said that she knows karate that she studies karate which is true and then the boy said oh really prove it and then they started to punch and kick her and she ran away so <laughs> I like I'm like, okay, seriously, you know what? If one more person touches my daughter, I'm going to unleash her. Do you? Okay. So my wife calls the school and she cut, right? I mean, the whole thing has to start again. She's talking to the vice principal and the vice principal's like, I don't know. And they don't really know. Because listen, it's a private school, which means it's a business, which means you can't, right? We always end up in these situations where. Everybody wants to kind of like put their hands up like, oh, I don't know what, you know, because they don't want to upset anyone involved who might be writing a check in the future. So then, so my wife does get a call from the mother of one of the boys. We'll call him Stevie. So Stevie's mom calls. And Stevie's mom says, oh, well, I'm so sorry. And, you know, this happened. And Stevie, you know, and Stevie. So the the timber of the conversation was, and maybe I'm just missing something here. Um, really sorry that that happened. But I don't want you to think that Stevie's bad. And I don't want, I don't want this re- to, to reflect on Stevie. You know, Stevie's new and he's having a hard time. And I don't want this to harm our relationship or our reputation at the school. Do you think it will? Do you think people are going to hold this against him? Bitch, he punched and kicked my daughter and I'm supposed to feel sorry for you because the fact that he did might harm your reputation at the school. Are you really asking me to cry for you? Really? So my wife got on the phone. She's like, yeah, this, this woman is more, uh, right? She's, she is talking to me about her reputation with the other parents and at the school. And do you think they'll ask us back? And blah, blah, blah. I'm like, baby, did, did your check clear? Trust me. Don't worry. This is reality. We're not your emotional bullshit, right? Now, where I come from, and I come from uh, uh, the past, 
I come. Dog, wake up. The dog fell asleep and he's snoring. Can you hear that? See, I come from the, the ancient times. And in the ancient times, and I don't know this boy's situation. I don't know his father at all. I've seen his mother. I've met his grandfather or his grandmother. In ancient times, we had a couple of credos that we lived by. Passed down from father to son through the ages. And I would like to share them with you now, briefly, so you can pass them on to your little Stevie. The first was, and this is for boys. Rule number one, you don't hit girls. Rule number two, you don't hit girls that know karate. Rule number three, you don't hit girls who have brothers four years older than you and twice your size who know karate. Stevie, wake up. Oh, my gosh. Listen, the dog cannot be in here if he's going to snore like that. I'm sorry. I got to get him one of those easy strips. I'm sorry, man, but you're making too much noise. Oh, I love you. He doesn't know what's going on. Daddy goes in. He's, so, he's always so nice. And then he goes in that room and he plays guitar for 10 seconds. Then he yells for an hour. So this happened. This is this is how this works out. So, so, uh, so the first day, my daughter gets slapped. The second day, she gets chased around being punched and kicked by two boys. So I'm trying really hard not to say to her, honey, I swear to God, the next person that does that to you you have mom and dad's permission to hit and kick them as much and as hard as you want because I've had it. And I'm trying really hard. I'm trying really hard to not say that to my eight-year-old because I'm really not sure that's the message that I want to get across. And we're, we're patting her on the back like, you know what? You go to karate and you learn karate, but you also learn, right, no street fights. That's one of the rules. No drugs, no street fights. Respect your parents, teachers, and your friends. So you respected your friends by not kicking their asses. And I think that's very good. So we go through all this and I'm standing at my, I've got my laptop in the, on the kitchen counter and I get an email from my dad and it's something like, uh, boy, the, the subject of the email was something like, boy, he got what was coming to him. And I don't know what it is. It's a link to a video. And so I click on the video and it's the video that I'm sure you've seen of the two Australian kids and the little tiny Australian kid keeps smacking the big kid in the face and then punching me in the stomach. And then eventually the big kid just body slams the living dingo out of him. You know this, right? So literally that day I'm standing there watching these two Australian kids go at it. And my daughter walks up to me and is like, what are you watching daddy? Nothing. Go away. Go away. Daddy must process now. But you've seen this video, right? So basically, there's this little kid. I mean, it was like out of a cartoon. This little kid, his name is Richard Gale, okay? There's this little Australian kid. He's 12 years old. He weighs about 17 pounds. And he's picking on this big, heavy kid who's literally at least head and shoulders above him, who I think is 15 or 16, right? So this little kid, is, he's, he's jabbing at the kid and he's dancing around. You know how this goes, right? And he smacks the big kid in the face a couple of times. And then the kid is blocking. The big kid's blocking. And then he jabs him a couple of times in the stomach. The big kid's finally had it. He 
grabs the little kid and literally lifts him up and then slams him down on the concrete of the school. And suddenly one of the kids that is watching, no one ever talks about this, one of the kids that's watching, right, watching and probably egging on the little kid, starts walking towards the big kid like, why the hell did you do that? Hey, oh, oh. (laughs) hey, Mr. Justice, you're really, honestly, you're about 30 seconds late. You should have pulled your little jackass friend off this kid to begin with. Okay, so don't don't come in, right? Okay, you're too late. You're too late and you were on the wrong side, so please, stuff it, okay? So the school suspends the two kids, right? Casey Haynes and uh, Richard Gale. And I, I, don't, I, I got mixed information about whether it was for the same amount of time or not or whatever. With both kids, it was four days or one kid was four and one kid was eight. or I, I, I don't know. I'm getting conflicting information. And the little kid went on the news in Australia and around the world or who knows, you know, saying, well, I've been picked on too. And he picked on me. He, he said something to me first. And and even the interviewer even said to him, well, you know, Richard, are you sorry that you did it? And he goes, no. And then he looks at his father and he's like, oh, um, oh, uh, hold on. Yes. (laughs) Your sincerity is heartwarming. But it's caused a lot of debate about what. You know who who's at fault? What? And listen, uh, in in any situation like that, uh, you know, everybody's a little to blame, I guess, in a way. So this is what I find fascinating, though, and it's it's part of, I guess, being a, an attorney that you have to think this way. Because I read uh, the defense attorney, and I guess is going to trial or some or some defense attorney in Australia made a, a statement. That was almost exactly mirrored by someone that I then saw on a clip from Fox News. Uh, I don't watch Fox News. You know what I'm saying. And it was this. The, like a legal person is worried about the school. And how if they don't punish the bullied kid in this instance. Okay. The big kid that was being bullied until he slammed the other kid. If they don't punish the bullied for not turning the other cheek, which is what they're told to do, which was working so well for him before the body slam. It will create that. This is the term that the guy in Fox News, it will become the, the, the um, rule of law at the school that if someone bullies you, you can body slam them and that that would be a bad thing that, that, you have to continue to teach kids to turn the other cheek when they're being bullied because if they retaliate, then that will become, right? And then the school won't apparently be safe for bullies. Is that really what the jackass on Fox News and this other guy, or they're trying to, so let me get this straight. We have to keep the schools safe for bullies by encouraging the bullied not to retaliate. I've got that right, right? There wasn't something about that that I misconstrued. Are we all clear? We're all following the logic of that? Because I'm damn positive that's what he said. He said, if you don't punish the bullied for body slamming in this case, body slamming the bully, the guy that punched him in the face a couple times, punched him in the stomach a couple times while he's being egged on by his jackass friends and being videotaped. Now, the reason he was being videotaped, let's be clear. He was being videotaped and being egged on because they were enjoying the fact that the little guy was punching someone. 
They weren't videotaping because they knew the big guy was going to body slam them and then it was going to end up on the internet. They were going to put the bullying on the internet. Right? So it's okay. <laughs> okay. So it's okay to bully someone. It's okay to videotape. It's okay to egg the kid on, but God forbid you body slam the kid who's punching you in the face because that might create a bizarro world. The, the rule of law might become that if you, you can't safely bully at that school anymore. I don't understand. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, do I have any Australian listeners anymore? I don't think I do. I think I've uh, I've got three listeners. I think I've got RZ, Wayne, and you, and that's it. I don't, um, you know, maybe there's, maybe it's an Australian thing, but, but I, you know, and I used to think that, but then the guy, the American lawyer from Fox News, whatever, whoever their pundit talking head guy was, like, well, you know, but listen, you've got to look at it from the point of view of the school. They, they, they can't allow this to become the rule of law that anytime someone bullies you, you're allowed to just slam them on the ground. Yeah, you should be able to. If you can get that kid off the ground and he's punching you in the face, hells yeah. Because guess what? That'd be the end of bullying. Because I think they should just let this kid, Casey Haynes, just let him walk around the school. If anyone's being bullied, he just gets to, he, he, Casey Haynes, gets to pick up the bully and body slam them. That'd be the end of it. Now, legally, legally, your, um, your self-defense must be, and I don't know how to put this because I'm not an attorney, clearly. Your, your, uh, your self, like you defending yourself must be in, um, kind of in parity to, in, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm kind of lost here. Basically, it has to be of equal value to the violence being perpetrated upon you. So I guess, I guess legally, if someone punches you in the face, then I guess you're allowed to punch them in the face to defend yourself. But really, what's that going to do? Then you're punching each other in the face. Right? I mean, I get it. Like, if someone threatens you with a knife, does that mean you're not allowed to shoot them? Like, you have to, like, what if you have no knife? So I don't quite get that logic. I get it in the way, like, we're trying to be fair and we're trying to make it so someone doesn't, uh, you know, poke you in the eye and you slit their throat. I, I get it. But maybe there is some something about it that I don't get from you know watching ten seconds of uh, film clips. Like defending yourself, can defending yourself partly be stopping the advances of your attacker? I think so. And if that requires a body slam to the concrete, then guess what, Richard? That's what's coming. Now his mother is very upset. Richard Gale's mother is very upset as is his father you know he's being raised by a single father the parents are uh, separated they seem like upstanding ish citizens and I think what she's most upset about because <laughs> I think I think I read this and then and then also she kind of skirted around it in a video clip of her that I saw she's upset that it's on the internet and that everybody knows about it that's that's the really upsetting thing is that um 
It's one thing if your child is a jackass, but I don't want everyone to know that they're a jackass. Because now people are going to be Googling this kid and finding out that he's a jackass for the rest of his life. Uh, Again, listen, this is the 21st century. You know that there's Google and MySpace and YouTube and all that crap, right? Is there MySpace? You know what I mean, Facebook. And you're having your friends videotape you punching kid. Now, maybe you're maybe you're not. Maybe you didn't orchestrate the production. But you know, your friends are standing around with camera phones. They're egging you on. You know what's going on. Listen, take right some control of your life, your situation. You know that you live in this virtual world, this viral cacophony of crap. I just want it to go away, you know. I can't do an Australian accent right now, okay? Just leave me alone. I just wanted to go away. Rich is such a nice boy. And I can't believe it. I'm just why everybody has to know it's all over the internet. I mean, really? Well, who posted it? I don't think it was Casey Haynes. Casey Haynes was too busy getting punched in the face by your son. <laughs> I don't like it. Casey didn't like being punched in the face. Tell you what, let's, let's make a deal. If we can invent a time machine and go back in time, I will agree to try to convince whoever posted it on the internet to not do that. If you can get your son to not punch Casey in the face. I don't like it. So, um, I got to take a little drink of, um, I, I, I haven't been shopping in a couple days and I'm now all out of uh, my diet soda, my diet cola beverage and my diet root beer beverage. So I'm now, tapping into the uh, diet lemonade beverage that we made in a big two and a half gallon. You know those two and a half gallon things you can buy at the store? It's water with a spigot. We popped one of those bad boys open and put a bunch of uh, diet lemonade stuff in there for Hudson's toga party. And I'm drinking it now. Excuse me a moment. I gotta, I gotta check the time because I got that audition. I can't be late. Oh, yeah, I should go. So listen, I'll check in with you later on. I have an eye exam today. That will that will be fruitful, I'm sure, because um, today's the last day that I can use my insurance because we're switching from my wife's insurance to my insurance because uh, I'm a semi-successful uh, actor now. And when I say successful, to me, being a successful actor is having health insurance. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so um today's the last day i can use the vision plan i guess because tomorrow you know new year or new month so um so i'm going for an eye exam so uh yeah i'm sure whatever i'm getting contacts because this is what happens i go to these auditions and then I, this is all i'm gonna say i go to auditions and i wear these glasses i have my plastic glasses my nerd you know geek chic brown plastic rims and i go to the audition and this is what happened with um the chevy commercial I go to the audition. They love me. They love me. I get the part. And then I go and they're like, well, do you have contacts? Because we want you to wear different glasses. Well, I don't have contacts. I, I don't wear contacts. I don't know if you noticed. I wear glasses. I'm a glasses guy. And I'm a 40 something glasses guy, which means I need about 16 different prescriptions per lens. So I don't know how this whole contact lens thing is going to work out. So trust me, the, I bet the, I, this is my prediction. The end of this show is going to be about an eye exam. And then the next show is going to be about me having to deal with the fact that contact lenses for me, 
stink. All right, I'll talk to you. I'll talk to you in a bit, okay? All right. Cross your fingers. I hope I can find my car after this audition because uh, that's all I'm saying. Goodbye. Oh, uh, not goodbye. You know what I mean? Solo. See you later. So long. Well, that was, that was disappointing. You know, I went all the went all. I went all the way to Santa Monica for this audition, and um, I got there on time. And then, uh, you know, it took a little longer to get in and out than I expected. The in, you know, once you're in, that's ten seconds. But and then I got, I had an, you know, I told you I was going to have my eyes examined. I got there on time, with no fuss. I went right in. I met the new doc. You know, basically what happened was I waited too long to do anything about the fact that we're switching insurance uh, carriers or whatever. I mentioned that before, right? And so today was the last day that I could have this eye exam. And so I just went locally to this place where I've, you know, we've done some business with them, you know, but I don't know the doctor, the eye doctor, the optician, ophthalmologist, optician, whatever they are. It all went swimmingly. And, and so what am I upset about? There's no story. There's really no story. In fact, so I get to the audition. I'm going to make a story uh, clearly now about the fact that there's no story. So I get to the audition. Now, first of all, uh, it wasn't Tuesday, so there's plenty of parking. I walk to the audition. Uh, I have to wait a little bit, but I have to sign a non-disclosure form. And I'm not even sure I'm allowed to say that. And it really irks me when I have to sign those things just because... uh, I mean, really... Are you really, you're really that worried that the idea for your big advertising uh, slogan is going to get out? Is that the thing? Uh, which I guess I understand. Listen, if it's a if it's a popular campaign, or it's a campaign that you think might be, I mean, I kind of get it. Just it always seems sort of weird. What a, what if we all just pledged some big allegiance and just got it over with and said, "Listen, okay, we won't talk about your commercials until they're on the air." And then once they're on the air, obviously we can talk about them because the secret's out, isn't it? I um. There was a woman there waiting to go in. She had, she ended up going in before me, but I recognized her from a workshop that I took back when I was, you know, rekindling this commercial acting career thing this fall. Did I tell you I took a workshop? I did, right? We, we I'm sure we got into that. God, I tell you everything. Well, one of the women from the workshop was there, and I recognized her. She didn't seem to recognize me. And you know what? A younger Dan, a high school Dan, a Dan who didn't, you know, wasn't married or whatever, would have maybe broken the ice. But I just know how it would have gone. Hey, how are you? Uh, fine. We had that workshop together in the fall, you know, with Jan and John. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't need that. I don't need the I don't recognize you, but you recognize me because you're a boy and I'm a girl thing. Because that's my paranoid, you know. You remember me because I'm cute and blonde and blue-eyed, and I don't remember you because you're bald and you wear glasses, so thank you. So, um, yeah, that went fine. That went fine, and, um, so I, uh, so I drive to the, um, to the eye doctor, and, um, you know, I go in, and I got to tell you, the, the only thing I, I will mention, 
the art director was very nice and she's young and good looking. Now, that's one of the upsides with uh, L.A. You know what? Odds are good that a certain percentage of the people you deal with in that way are going to be young and good looking. And so I find now I, I find my new uh, optometrist optometrist, right? Yeah. I think she's young and good looking. Which is good because, it, 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 it you know, I don't know, just better than like the guy that was at my other doctor. The doctor is a very reputable doctor, but the lab guy is a little creepy. He just got, there, 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 there's a little creep factor going. A little kind of lecherous man of a certain, it just, it's, it's, there's just a weird vibe. See, I like it when I'm the creep in the scenario. If I can be the creepy old guy, then that's fine. If someone else is the creepy old guy and I'm the young guy, I don't like that. I like to be the creepy old guy who's trying not to, right, stare at the young optometrist, which, you know, luckily most of the time I can't see because I got my glasses off. So I'm just kind of looking off into space going, um, for the first one look better, you know, that kind of thing. But what that means is, is you know, there's nothing else really uh, to say. Except that um, I'm going to pretend like I can play the guitar. Can you hear that? I can hear it in my headphones. And I'm going to change to a different chord. Ready? Ooh, there's a minor chord. You like that one? Back to G. So you have to practice and record at the same time because this is all the practicing I get. Because I have to practice. To practice, I have to hide away in here. Because if I'm not in here, when I'm practicing, my wife will see me and give me the evil eye because I'm not doing something else. I don't think I didn't tune this guitar, by the way. It doesn't sound good at all, does it? It's supposed to be a G again. I'm probably doing such a horrible job of learning the guitar. I got to take a lesson. Let's try to do D. That's D. That's my D. I'm not looking. I'm going to try to get to G. Hey, I did it. Okay. that's You don't need to sit through that, do you? Really? Really? Although I did discover that the song Lust for Life... You know the Iggy Pop song, Lust for Life? It, it has very few chords. I think it only really requires four chords. I know all four of them. And honestly, you can kind of... Um, you know, you've got a good five minutes before chord changes. It's not the most intricate song in the world. So that song I can almost play. Maybe that's E. Then you go to A. That's a horrible... This thing sounds like a toy. It's so... My chords are so bad. Can you play guitar? You gotta give me some words of encouragement. Because I'm... See, that's how long it takes me to switch chords. I don't even know if this is a chord. I think I just made this up. Is that a chord?
All right, The Bitter Spill uh, used to be a podcast uh, by me, Dan Class, in my garage under the fly path. La, 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 la. Give me a call. Give me something to talk about, please, okay? Thank you. You should do right. You could do a little of the lifting here. 888 I'm going to start. I'm going to have to start delving back into the recesses of what's left of my memory to decide upon some things to discuss. Because it can't be lust for life. Because I don't know how to play it. Well, I am just a modern guy. I don't know the chords. I don't know what chord is next. Damn. Oh, it must be G. I got a blah, blah, blah in the ear before. With a lust, with a, what's the next chord? I don't know. Lust for life. I have the music in front of me. Lust for life. Lust for life. Lust for life. I'm getting warm. I'm getting tired. Um, all right, this has. Uh, how can I sing the, the outro to this song? There goes Danny wrapping up the show again. He needs liquor and drugs. He don't take liquor or drugs. I wish he'd do another strip tease. Hey man, where'd you get that? Lotion There's motion in the ocean When you use lotion Forget it The Bitter's Pill is produced by Jacket Media Makers of fine podcasts since 2004 That's 